Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep. Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep? Well, hello, Emily. Hi, Grandpa. I have a surprise guest with me. Who is it? Oh, this is another granddaughter. This is Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Good to see you. See you too, Emily. Well, they see each other because we're also on Zoom. <laughs> but you did. The audience just hears their voice. Joanna is going to tell us a little bit, but she happens to be here because tomorrow morning she's going to be playing volleyball, the volleyball club in Northern Virginia. Her home is in Marriottsville, Maryland, about a, depending on traffic, 45 minutes to five hours away. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it is. So introduce yourself, Joanna. Well, my name is Joanna. I'm 14. Compared to Emily, that's a little younger, but not too much. And I go to Mount View Middle School, which is in Howard County, Maryland. And, well, I play volleyball. And what's your visit? What's your position in volleyball? I'm a middle blocker. We were just talking. We didn't know that there were actual formal positions, And so middle blocker means. Basically, I'm like the tallest on my team. So I, I get to jump and block people from getting their hits over. And I get to hit a lot, which is really fun. That's awesome. That's so fun. And it turns out this is interesting. I just realized I'm here with my oldest and youngest grandchild. How about them apples? (laughs) But today, then when we record, is the day before Earth Day. And I understand you're pretty involved, uh, Emily, in environmental stuff. uh, Yes, I am. So tell us about it. Yeah, oh my god. I was just at the Earth Day Fair that UD does for like four hours giving the pitch, so I, I got down. So I'm Emily Simon. I'm the president of Sunrise Newark. We are an environmental advocacy organization on campus. We do, um, okay, you know what? I'll just stop. I'll just stop with my, my pitch voice. Um, but give me a little taste of what everyone had to hear for four hours. But yeah, so we do environmental advocacy stuff on campus so that means mostly working with the delaware state legislature because sunrise is a national organization and we're the only chapter in delaware so we do a lot of work with the legislature we endorse candidates for office we did a lobby day recently where we went down and talked to people about such a lawmakers and explained to them hey we're young people and we want you to do something about climate change we also do a bunch of other stuff we do like letter writing campaigns we do stuff to get people get elected and to help promote bills that we endorse that we think are good for the environment and will help stop climate change. So that's basically, that's the pitch. Maybe <laughs> yeah. could have said it a little better, but it's, it's a while. It's been, it's been four hours. What can I tell you? You said, something, you said something I didn't quite know. And you said Sunrise Newark, Delaware, not Newark. Yes. So you're you're the Sunrise chapter, not just for the campus, but for uh, not really. We're really kind of the Sunrise University of Delaware, but the university doesn't want it to be called that because the university does not endorse candidates. So they don't want it to be called Sunrise University of Delaware because they don't want people to see that and get confused and think that the university is endorsing a candidate or supporting certain legislation that they don't support. 
or that they haven't like explicitly stated that they support. Um, so that is why we were called Sunrise Newark, but really we're just for the, I mean, sure. I mean, if anyone else in Newark, Delaware wants to come to our meetings, they're more than welcome, but really we're, we really just operate on campus. Well, now that you're doing it on a podcast and now I'm sure you're going to share it to folks in Newark, Delaware, they, when is your next meeting? Our next meeting is next Thursday at 8 p.m. If you want to reach Emily, it's grandpathinksteep at gmail.com. And then just say you want to get in touch with Emily, and we'll make sure she gets it. So in middle school, so it's Joanna, but we call her JoJo. Mm -hmm. In your middle school, is environment and earth they any, any visibility programs? I don't think so. I think what they do is they have the environmental studies GT group just like make a video and we have something called MBTV, which is like, if you think about today, like it's like a news show, I guess, for a school. What they do is they make a video and then they like share it to the whole school. So like the school knows it's Earth Day or Earth Day happened and like kind of describe what like Earth Day is in those like meetings. So that's like how our school like tells all the students like about Earth Day and how they can get involved. There's no student club or activity? There's no like activity but or club just for Earth Day, but the environmental studies is considered like the Earth Day help for Earth Day. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a little curious to both of you, but, and we'll maybe start with you, Emily, then come back to you, Jojo. How do you see the environment affecting you? Do you see it affecting you personally, or do you see it as affecting the world? And obviously it's important to you, to you Emily, because in college you made it a priority. You're certainly involved actively. But how do, you, how do you see climate and Earth Day? Is it a crisis, and how do you see yourself engaging with it? Oh, that's a good question. When it comes to me personally, I mean, living in the mid-Atlantic, we do not see the worst effects of climate change, especially because we're not living super close to the coast at the University of Delaware. But what I see is just, it. well, first of all, it's hot. Like personally, like on a very, like a very personal level, like it's just more hot. And like for me, like just personally, that's kind of the only way that I see it personally, just because of where I happen to live. But I'm aware of people who are getting impacts that are a lot worse that are going to have their lives upended by this if we don't do something about it. Like the state of Delaware is just going to like be underwater if we don't do something about this. So that's kind of the big thing because we are in Delaware and it's like, um, do you want the state to exist? We should support doing something about climate change. It's kind of an easy pitch to make in Delaware to people who have power. It's like, you want the state to exist? Do something about it now. <laughs> um, is there one particular law or change in law that you guys are focusing on right now? So one of the base bills that we're advocating for is the Delaware Climate Change Solutions Act, which is going to increase the percentage of Delaware's energy production that is produced by clean energy and lower the amount produced by fossil fuels so that we're lowering the amount of emissions that we're creating to get us in line with other states in the region. Well, and Delaware and New Jersey have a lot of industrial areas around, so I think that would be pretty important. Well, in Delaware, the industrial base is not huge. Huge agricultural base, though, in terms of the economy. So I guess huge here. But yes, there's a decent amount of manufacturing that happens here as well. So I'm going to ask Joanna if the environment occurs to her in any way. Do you feel it as it affecting your life or do you worry about the future at all? Well, 
I worry about the future quite a bit because when you go like look at the news and see all these climate things about like Antarctica and how all the ice is melting and all these creatures are in danger because of that it's kind of shocking to me that like we got to this point and haven't done anything to change it and in Maryland like especially Baltimore like if you've ever been to Baltimore and seen the domino like sugar factory and at night you can see how much smoke is coming out of that building and I'm like oh my goodness how like how are they letting how is Baltimore letting this happen especially since when they do all this road work and everything and all these carbon emissions just are everywhere it's like how is the state letting this happen is what shocks me the most if they want to keep the state especially since Delaware is on the coast like Maryland is like Ocean City if they want this state to still exist then do more about it and since especially the part of Maryland I live in is like on the edge of Howard County and Carroll County there are a lot of laws in Carroll County or things in Carroll County that don't align with Howard County stuff and since there are a lot more people in Carroll County that are more like they care for themselves more than the world more I will say I'm trying to word it in the right way without making it sound bad <laughs> but they're the Howard County where they're more like they care about the world too so that's where it's more like living on the edge of two counties that are very much disagreeing with each other it's quite fun watching interesting McFlake has spicier well you know I was gonna mention when I grew up the environmental movement wasn't there wasn't one and of course I grew up in El Paso, Texas. I grew up in the west side of El Paso. And there was, it was called ASARCO, American Smelting and Refining Company. Had a big copper refining smelter where they brought in material, raw materials from, you know, I realize I don't know where it would have been mined from, Mexico or New Mexico. And they would smelt it, turn it into copper. And it, it, they had, when I was young, they, were, they weren't very tall. They had smokestacks. They looked tall to us then. Later, the, under regulations, they were required to be made much taller. But they would spew toxic air and generate tons of lead. And, of course, it was in the poorest areas of the city. So the, the soil around where the poor lived was filled with lead. But for us, which were, you know, we're only a mile or so away, a couple miles away probably, and if the wind blew towards the east, towards where we lived, it was east of us, uh, uh, west of us, so if it blew to the east, the winds, the smoke would come over, and we couldn't, we stood outside, our noses would burn, our throats would burn, our eyes would burn, You'd have to go inside. And every once in a while, the city had air emergency alerts and told people to, to the best they could to stay inside. How did emergency alerts work when you were a kid? Because now they just send them to your phone. Like, how did that work? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. They were on radio and television, mainly radio, because that's what people listen to most often. No, we did not have cell phones, and 
No, they didn't automatically call your landline. They would announce it on radio, and radio was the more. They, they had car radios, you had radios at home. You know, when I was up until, let's see, I, well, until 10 years old, we didn't even have a TV in the house. We had a, a radio, and that was our entertainment. We'd sit around the radio as kids and listen to the Lone Ranger and other <laughs> radio shows and the news on the radio. But the air was unbreathable almost. So most of them know that their granddaddy had grandpa, uh, not only thinks deep, but has a Alzheimer's disease, which makes it hard to remember things. And I wonder whether all that putrid air had something to do with. It's often genetic, but it's also maybe triggered by what we went through as kids. It's important for young people to, you don't know what effect the smog and the what's in the air is going to come back and impact how you grow up, your health, not just mental health, but physical health, and as well as to that of animals and the like. You know, um, a phrase for it is an existential issue. And there are people who think that the existence of humankind is at risk if we, as you mentioned, Joanna, the water levels and the melting of the Arctic and Antarctica. And it does seem much more of a motivating issue to younger generations than to us older folks. Do you see that? I mean, are most is it a big issue? And you see, do you ever? Well, I guess I'm curious. Do you ever see anybody push back? So, Emily, today you had a booth and you were out pitching to people, talking. Did anybody show up with disagreement? No, no one was defined that. Well, this agreement argued with you, did it? No. <laughs> no, they did. It's no, it's, it's, I mean, like, it's like if people didn't want to engage, they just, they like, kind of put in headphones and would, like, walk really fast. Because the way it was, it was because, so we have, like, the green at UD. And the green is, like, a long strip of grass, and there's walkways on both sides, and then there are buildings on the other side of the walkways. So where we were positioned, we were stationed at the edge of the green, and we were facing the walkway for people walking by. So if people didn't want to talk to us, they would just, like, walk really fast, put in headphones, look head down, no eye contact, and then just like kind of zoom by. Like, then I'd be like, you want to do some environmental advocacy? And people would just be like, no. And I would be like, but don't you want to have a planet to live on? Like, I, I don't know if like people were just busy. To be fair, one time I was walking to class, I was running kind of late. And these people asked me, they were like, hey, do you want to sign a position for the environment? I didn't have enough time to like stop and chat with them and be like, hey, what's this about? So I was just like, ah, oh, no. And then I just kept running. So it's like, if you're in a, it's like, I don't know how many of them actually genuinely don't believe in environmental advocacy or if they were just in a rush, you know? <laughs> yeah. Also, like with me, especially when I'm in the city, when I'm walking around, I tend to like get nervous when it comes to people like random come ask me about those things because nowadays you don't know if they're actually advocating for the environment or if they're just trying to get your name your number email like all these things which is like a big difference compared to the generations now and even 10 years ago is that like now you don't know who to trust anymore like when it comes to like just random people like I mean, I know Emily, so if you asked me to sign a petition or learn about the environment, I would be okay. But if I didn't know some and some random person came up to me and was like, do you want to learn about the environment or do you want to sign this petition, like write your name, 
email, I'd be like, oh, I'm not 100% sure about this. Mm-hmm. Just like for personal reasons. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, yeah, there's definitely people who like are against environmental stuff, especially since I'm in the borderline Howard in Carroll County, where Carroll County, there's a lot of people in Carroll County who don't believe in climate change here or believe in these things. And I'm not saying it's everyone because it's definitely not everyone, but there are a lot of more traditional thinking people who are like, climate change is a, a spoke. It doesn't exist. And I'm like, um, have you seen that the weather changes in Maryland from 30 degrees to 70 degrees in less than 24 hours? They're like, that's just normal. I'm like, no, it's climate change. Yeah. My one little contribution there, cleaning up the environment. So grandma and I walk a lot. We, particularly during the pandemic, we walk almost every day, but we walk a lot. And whenever I go out and walk, I bring a bag and pick up litter. And I actually have to, I'm stunned at how much litter. You know, people would just not throw things away while out their car windows or while they're walking. I mean, the one I hate the most are the cigarette butts because they do clog and they don't dissipate the, particularly the filters. They don't get absorbed. But then, you know, there are plastic bottles that they had drunk. People just throw them aside. You know, and I saw the, you can almost tell what's going on in the world by the litter you find. All of a sudden we were finding sanitary wipes, you know, as the pandemic started. And then there were masks. People would throw away their masks. And they were all over the place. And now there's more just water bottles and cigarette, more cigarette butts these days. And school papers and you know i found a beautiful little you, you never know it could be nice walking i found a very clear little heart and i have a collection of hearts for grandma that i got her that's romantic right and i've added that to our collection but picking up you whenever you hey don't litter but whenever if you're going for a walk or even a jog if it's possible bring a paper bag or we have one of these shopping bags that I used to collect the litter in and then dispose of it through the trash off the streets. So there are things that are easy to do that people, if they thought, I often get thanked for it. People see what I'm doing and you get thank yous. Even had the owner of a new restaurant stop by and say, wow, I'm so, thank you so much. I'll remember you stop by and I'll give you a free pizza. <laughs> oh, nice. It's our love. But it's important. Yeah. I can't imagine all this stuff and how much of it. So here's my mental picture. Here's the, here's yeah. how I think about it. That whenever I pick up a cigarette butt or a plastic bottle, I say this would have been the last piece that would have been the end of the world. But now I've taken it away. So it's one bottle away from that. Yep. I think... I mean, they're looking. But my water bottle at school. Do you, do your school have that, like the water bottle filler up or water fountain thing? Yeah, they have. Like how, like the counter of like how, like X number of bottles they've been on my arms. Yeah, my plastic bottles being in the ocean. Well, at our school, they all have like the number of bottles. Oh, that's just have a dispenser where everyone puts water. It's still awesome though. But yeah. they give out like little plastic bottles of water during lunch, and I see all these kids bring plastic bottles of water to school, and they're like. 
crush them. They'll like spray them at people and then throw them somewhere. And I'm like, what? What? Public school, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's important. That makes me good that we talk about it. it it's going to cause massive destruction. You know, those of us from Virginia, uh, I think it's Tiger Island that may just disappear. It's an island right in the Chesapeake off of the Virginia border in the Chesapeake and the other side is both Virginia, is Virginia as well. And maybe one of the first places in the country that has to be abandoned because of the rising water levels. It's going to be significant. And, you know, the, the arguments that you see for many as well, it's all God's will and whatever. When we people have the ability to make a change and make it agency. Agency. Thank you so much, Emily. So you go to college and you learn to take words. So what's the next big project for Sunrise Newark? Um, we're just going to keep working and keep keeping track of what's in the legislature, keep pushing for bills, just doing kind of whatever we can, wherever we see an opportunity. That's great. Now, when is the end of your semester, Emily? It's like the end of May, I think. I want to say May 25th, but I could very much be wrong about that. Just over a month. Yep, just right? in a month. Yep. And Jojo, when is the end of year? Uh, um, we end school on June 14th. Yeah, a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. But Grandpa's got his new play he's working on, and his semester never ends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this has been a great little discussion. Did it? You know, I, Earth Day started in 1970, I believe, was the first Earth Day. I remember when it started. I remember it because I. There was a person that ended up working with me in my company, Ken Deutsch. And Ken uh, was one of the organizers of that first Earth Day. Oh, wow. So That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, you know, and that has grown. We need to do more. And it is, you know, the planet is more fragile than I think people, many people believe yet and unfortunately it often takes major disasters before there's an appropriate level of reaction or change in behavior and it's going to be affect your generations much more than ours maybe newer technology as we move away from gas powered cars i know both of your families emily's parents and your parents have electric cars we have the Hybrid. hybrids and so getting much of the co2 out of the atmosphere will help in you know new technology and heating and cooling homes it will be important and how people behave right now yeah. how you don't throw things away i know if, you know what well, we we grandma and i get what's called um imperfect food yeah Rather than rather than having the food thrown away, they package it, sell it, and deliver it separately. So all those can help. And of course, the more people who do it and work to be environmentally conscious, the better off I think the world is for everyone. Yeah, actually, the other day my dad ordered a pair of socks that were on the site because they were the packaging was damaged. So instead of them not being sold all, they just put it on the site, and he ordered some of those because they were completely fine and just. Packaging damage. And what is it called? Mm-hmm. Do this. What? What is it? I don't know the website name. No. Have to ask my dad. But 
I thought it was fascinating. Like Tyler, people like will be like, "Oh, the packaging is slightly damaged. We can't sell this." Like they can't put that on sale. I mean, people will still buy it. It's not like it needs to be perfect. As long as you can wear the socks or you can eat the food and it's not bad, you can still sell it. Just sell it at a discounted price. Yes. You know. Well. And stop using plastic packaging. Yes. <laughs> and so one thing Howard County has done is they do the five cent for each plastic bag you use. Yeah. Which Howard County has not done, which is why it gets kind of confusing. <laughs> the ethic has changed. We need to keep it in people's minds, and we need to encourage politicians and public officials to know that we support it in corporations and make our buying purchases in a way that they can see that they're it makes sense to do it. And so that's great. So look, I think we've covered a nice topic and had a nice surprise guest today. And I think we wanna encourage everyone who's listened to this to find out what they too can do. Emily, do you have a one or two suggestions if you were to say as a goodbye to our listeners, what they might do to make the environment better? I do have two suggestions, but they're only relevant if you live in the state of Delaware. Oh, yeah. helpful. Well, if you've been to the Sierra Club website, at least for Delaware, they have two things where you can send an email. One is to a set of regulations called Advanced Clean Cars 2 that will, among other things, require all dealerships in Delaware to have electric cars available for sale because right now they do not. And if you want to buy an electric vehicle in Delaware, you have to either go somewhere else or you have to order it in. And if you order it in, then you cannot, like, decide you don't like it and that you don't want to buy it anymore. So you can't test drive. So if you get the car, you drive it and you don't like it, well, too bad they ordered it in just for you. You have to take it. So basically, Cars 2 would fix that. It would also require that all new electric vehicles starting in 2035 have to be electric to be sold. You can still sell used vehicles. Those can still circulate. Used gas vehicles. But all new vehicles have to be electric. So that is one thing that you can do if you go to the Delaware Sierra Club's website. Another one, it's more generic. It's just to advocate for wind. It's more just letting lawmakers know that you want to have offshore wind. It's not for any specific bill. Now, I'm sure if you check out the Sierra Club, they have an, the amazing stuff. I'm sure they have lots of other emails that you could send out that are similar in all of the other states as well. So be sure to check them out. They're great. What about you? I think, well, I have one suggestion at least. So if, if like you live in an area that still doesn't have a like tax on plastic bags, I would just invest in getting a couple of good reusable bags. Just use those because those will last a lot longer. If you live in the back of your car, you just, you won't forget about them. You'll just leave them in the back of your car and you'll have them whenever you need them, which will help reduce plastic waste so much. And also with like littering, just don't litter. Just think about it. The before you throw it out something out your car window, think, is this going to be good for animal like wild animals or other people's houses or whatever? Cause in my neighborhood I see all these waste all over the floor. Like on the streets, on the grass sides where our houses are. And I'm like, there's not that many people that go down our neighborhood. How do we have this much plastic? Like, where, who lying around? Where do they come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought as I go around and pick up trash, so much of what I pick up is from McDonald's or Roy Rogers or other local restaurants have takeout. 
I would, wouldn't mind a tax on those businesses and that money be used to hire people to pick things up. You make it a job, particularly people who may not be able to do full-time, some people do part-time, and keep it clean, keep the environment cleaner. But there we go. We've set up the legislative agenda for America. Oh, that's actually a really smart idea. And we'll go from there. But thank you all for listening. And thank you for Joanna. I sometimes call it Joanna Unicorn Proper because she, for a long time she loved unicorns. And I still think unicorns are neat things. <laughs> They're really awesome. And thank you, Emily, co-anchor. Anchor, I like that. I should I should call myself an anchor. Yes, I'm actually a news anchor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. And uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah. And first of all, we'd glad to come and leave some comments on it. Wherever you get your podcast from, there are ways to find ways to our Substack site, I think, where you leave the comments. Our at grandpa thinks deep at gmail.com but do something for the environment and tell us about it and that would be great to be able to publish that or talk about it in the future hi i'm sam simon and i'm the grandpa and i always think deep Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep?